This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 168. Well, good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster, and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is, folks. Every week we bring you the best and brightest of the authors from the fantasy and sci-fi book world. We have uh, epic fantasy, space opera, urban fantasy, military sci-fi, swords and sorcery. You name it, we bring you the best and brightest of those authors and books from both genres. And we hope you enjoy it as we get them in here on the way. So let's go ahead and jump into my own writing update this week. I'm deep into writing new chapters of The Accidental Monk, book seven in my Accidental Traveler series. It's fun revisiting the video game world of Phantasma with Carrie Dix and her new accidental friend, Aiden. I can't wait to help share this story with you. It's a lot of fun. And uh, in the meantime, I also want to let you know I'm getting things ready to launch my latest book, The Paramedics Sorceress, which is book nine in the Extreme Medical Services series. I'm also working to get the audiobook done at the same time as the ebook and paperback, so it all comes out together. So stay tuned here for updates. I'm looking like I was thinking May, but now I'm thinking maybe I'll push it off to get the audiobook done in early June and get it all out together for you. As usual, you can find out everything I'm up to, including updates, special giveaways, excerpts from recent books, and a lot more over at my fan group on Facebook. That's Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. So come over and join the fun. Get in on the giveaways I do every month and a lot more. Um, You can also check out my website over at jamiedavisbooks.com if you want. I'd love to hear from you either place. Okay, let's get into this week's special guest author, Tiffany Collins. She says she's always been terrible at running, so she learned to ride horses. She was even worse at dancing, so she studied martial arts instead. She works at her local library where she gets to talk about books with other bookworms all day long. She lives in a small rural town in the Sierra Nevada mountains of Northern California, and when she's not braiding hair at Renaissance fairs, spending time with friends, or helping library patrons find their next favorite read, she's working on her next writing project. Right now, that project is the Traveler's Journal series. So check out my interview with Tiffany. It's coming right up. Tiffany Collins, it's great to have you on the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. This is actually my first podcast interview, so I'm really excited. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, and how you got started writing? Uh, You know, I, I get that question a few times, and honestly, it's like I started writing, I think, Okay, the first official book that I wrote was for eighth grade English project. And then I just started writing a lot of my own stories because you read stories and you're thinking, God, why did I do it this way? This is stupid. He's reacting all wrong. This isn't realistic. If I were writing this story, I would do it this way. And so it's like, okay, if you can't find a story to read that you like, well, then I guess you just start writing your own. That's one way to look at it. Um, I, I know a lot of people that have started that way and, and also do a lot of fan fiction, too, to kind of make the universe the way they want it oh, to yeah. be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Danny started as fan fiction for the Anita Blake series. And in high school, freshman year, I got started uh, in a group called Sanctuary. It was based in Maine. 
on the East Coast where I have no clue because I'm on the West Coast and I've never traveled back East. I've gone to England and I've gone to Hawaii, but I've never gone back East in my own country. But anyway, yeah, it was a fan fiction site. And um, I'm just going to give it away. Danny is basically based on me because in freshman year high school, I had no idea how you're supposed to create a whole human being with a past and a personality with likes and dislikes and everything. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to invent a person, a whole person, full grown. I'm just going to pretend it's me. And so Danny is actually based off of Danielle, which is my middle name. I was not terribly original, but I'm sentimental. So when I took her up again, God, back in 2000. God, I started writing again on her story probably around 2016 or so or 2015. And um, <laughs> I just I couldn't let that go. But we're not the same person anymore. I personally think Danny is a, a lot better than me and handles everything a lot better than I am. I wish I were that smart. <laughs> but, yeah, it, start, it started as fan fiction. Yeah, and you know it's great because you, when you write something like that, you can you know a character like that, you can be better in some ways, you know, and kind of explore what you might be like if if only, right? Right. In this case, she goes through some pretty traumatic things. I can only hope I would be as functional coming out of a similar scenario. Um, I did do a lot of homework into what it's like to live through trauma like that. And I, to to the extent I actually paid for an hour with a guy who uh, specialized in therapy for PTSD. And luckily, he basically confirmed I was on the right track. I, I, was, I had already read all the books he would have suggested I read to get an idea of what it's like to live with that. And um, But I... I like to try and experience as much as I can because I think good writing comes from real life experience on the part of you come from an authentic place when you write something you already know or experience yourself. Um, But I wasn't going to go out and get raped on purpose so I could really experience what that was like. So I did a lot of homework. (laughs) Well, yeah, and and I I applaud you for that because I think a lot of people, um, you know, try to attempt to write you know, traumatic events for their characters, but don't necessarily always do the research. And sometimes they get some things wrong. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you, it's one of those things that often shows up in, in reviews and stuff that, um, because yeah. there are people out there who can tell the difference. Yeah. Well, and it's like anything else. And it's a really sad state of affairs that there's a lot of people out there who have lived through those kind of circumstances and have, had to deal with the fallout. Um, one of the other person I consulted, she was a victim's advocate for the county for a long time. And she actually gave me a lot of written testimonials from the victims of different crimes and stuff and uh, what it's like for them and the impact it had on their life. So I could get a better idea. And having <laughs> this is it's like you shouldn't always base a lot of stuff off of media stuff. But it's like my family watched a lot of special victims unit. <laughs> so I know that trauma can take a lot of different forms. There's no one way people react to things. So that gives you some wiggle room. But I remember reading a few books where they clearly did not know horses. And uh, wow, I was so over that book by that point. And then when I read that they rode horses for three days, full sprint, I'm like, no, after the first few hours of full sprint. If you tried to keep that horse going and not let it cool down and rest, you'd founder your horse and it would die. <laughs> well, and I think people, you know, it's funny. I, I 
I gave, I'm, I study military history and, you know, uh, a person can out, can out, can outrun a horse in a long distance, you know, for like a couple of days, if they're given the time to do it they can't do it in a sprint, but they can, they can outdistance them in, oh, you know, yeah, on foot. We've got the Tevis out here and the Tevis is a hundred miles. And let me tell you, first of all, it's a very specific kind of horse that can successfully do a marathon of a hundred miles in like, um, it's, I can't remember. It's, it's all one go. And I think it's over in like a, a day or a two day period. And, uh, they start up in Tahoe and they end in Auburn, California. And it is a grueling, a grueling marathon for these horses. And, um, mostly it's Arabians because a lot of other horses don't make it. A few mules do okay, but yeah, it's like, and they don't sprint. They're not, they're going at a, a steady trot, but they condition for it. And you're not, you're not moving at full speed. That's for sure. <laughs> and this brings up something else that, you know, I, I noticed in your bio that you sent me that, um, you've, you've kind of had an eclectic, uh, life career, um, you know, where you tried different things because you, you, you said you were terrible at running, so you learned to ride horses, you were even worse at dancing, so you studied martial arts, um, you know, uh, um, there's, it's, I love the fact that you, you went for experiences and, in life uh, to, to kind of learn different things. How has that impacted your writing? Okay. Well, actually, I have a funny story. You know how I said I'll go pretty far in trying to experience. Like one time I went to fair, and believe me, this is the place to try this if you're going to do it. And normally I don't drink, not because I'm against it morally or ethically or whatever. I just hate the taste of alcohol. Um, I don't like coffee either or Mexican food or pizza. So, yes, you can call me weird. I get that all the time from people like, you don't like anything. I'm like, you know, there's so much else out there besides Mexican food, pizza, booze and coffee. (laughs) But anyway, I went to fair and I'm like, guys, I need to experience a blackout. I puked and passed out drunk and can't remember what I did the night before and have a horrible hangover because I've never done that. And so... My friends all stepped up to the challenge. Oh, cool. We get to get Tiffy drunk. <laughs> they <laughs> they plied me with everything. And I, I broke all the rules. I heard you're never supposed to, like, mix hard liquor with beer. Dude, and you're really not supposed to do this at parties. You're really, really not supposed to do this. But I was with my good friends from Bear, and I trusted them implicitly um, in the sense that everybody was offering me everything they had out of hip flasks, out of wine bottles. I mean... At one point, I'm wandering around. It's like after midnight, and I got to work at the braiding booth the next morning on Sunday. And I remember getting so bored. I'm like, John, whatever. I've drunk like a whole bottle of wine. I've drunk cider. I've drunk liquor. I've drunk beer. I've drunk whiskey. What am I doing wrong? And he's like, here. And I just pounded three shots of tequila. And finally, I was like, I'm bored. This is too much work. I'm going to bed. I got to work tomorrow. I woke up, and my friend Abby, she cruises. I was camping in my car, and she cruises by the window. And she's like, I'm waiting for her to just be like out cold and look like crap, right? And I'm already up reading on my Kindle and I wave at her all cheery and she goes, I hate you. <laughs> but in in martial arts, I came across this one guy and he was demonstrating a certain technique. And it was one of those workshops where you go on a weekend and you have a bunch of people from all sorts of martial art backgrounds demonstrating their styles and their techniques and their particular brand of martial art. And this guy had this thing where he was talking about it and it was, crap, I can't remember what it was called, 
But it was one of those weird things you see in Chinese martial art movies that you think, okay, only in fantasy martial art movies is this real. And he basically had one of his students bend over and he explained that where he was doing, which is upper middle back, was only the safe place to do it because if you did it in other locations, you could do things like stop their kidney function, stop their heart, bad things, okay? And he has him bend over kind of over his knees and he just kind of rubs his back a little bit lifts his hand and lets it fall in what looks like a really lazy slap. And the guy goes down on his knees like he got poleaxed. And I'm like, that's not real. I dare do that on me. <laughs> so I totally got up there and I'm like, no, do that on me. I want to know if that's real. Because I think that's just, you know, he's spooping on me. And I did. I bent over my knees and he did it. I swear to God, I found myself on my knees and I did not know how I got there. I was like, wow, it's a real thing. So if ever anybody reads Nisi and her thing or the Kitsunes, the stuff I write, yeah, is probably mostly fantasy, but I swear to God, some of those techniques are real. <laughs> they do. They floor you. That's that, But that's great that you know that. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of writers have to have to kind of do different things to come up with the ideas. But if, if you can pull in real life events and experiences, um, I think it adds a richness to your writing that, that um, some people don't ever achieve. Yeah. Uh, well, it just, I come from a place of, um, I really do think that if you can avoid being a hypocrite in this life, you've avoided most of the sins and, and nastiness in life. And one of my biggest pet peeves in writing is a person who clearly um, wrote about guns and did no homework on the different kinds of guns, how they work, how they're cleaned, how they're just all the things that the different kinds of guns, what they do, what their capabilities are, their range. Um, and then there are so many people out there who take their guns very seriously. And it's almost like offensive to the person whose passion you've just butchered on paper. And I'm like, I, I can't be that writer. <laughs> I really can't. Cause I know how much I hate it. And I, I don't want people to think, God, she did not do her homework. And because I complain about it so much, I'm like, I can't, I can't work in a class house. I have to make sure I do my homework. So let's talk a little bit about the um, traveler's journal, your series um, and Danny's story. Uh, what, what happens? Um, can you set it up for us? Okay. This is one of those examples of how I can't do anything small. It started as a relatively simple idea back in high school, but then I got to thinking about her as a character and I realized, okay, I wanted to write a character who's kind of like a human familiar. And she ended up getting drawn in kind of like people who go to the city. They're very naive and they think their boyfriend loves them. And then he starts pimping her out. And soon she's just one more of his hookers but she thinks she really does love him and he loves her and they get into this weird relationship. And so Danny ended up with this guy who totally exploited her and abused her. And it was all about her getting free. And then I thought, okay, well, if this is happening, what makes her special and is able to be exploited in this manner? And what society at like that this happens? Is it commonplace, whatever? So it starts with questions and then I answer my questions and I build. So Danny turned into this person who belongs to a very small segment of society in which they are, they have tremendous power, but they've been forbidden from using it mainly because it's scared the bejesus out of the people who actually make the rules. 
And uh, it's been so many generations since she's act, and then people like her have been allowed to use their magic that they are believed now to be incapable of using their magic and bad things happen when they do. So we just don't let them. It's against the law. If they do, then they get executed very publicly as an example. And um, it's all about her realizing her own potential and that the way things are is really wrong because it's based a lot off of historical stuff. And I got, I got lazy. I'm trying to think, okay, what scenario does this sound like? Oh, it sounds like slavery in the 1800s. Oh, that led to a whole bunch of stuff, but I really don't know anything about military battles. And I don't know anything about societal things, how these things build up, what happens when they hit a breaking point, then the fallout and then rebuilding from that. I'm just going to base all this off of the Underground Railroad, and then build up to the Civil War, Civil War, Reconstruction. That has been really well documented. I'm sure there's lots of materials I can base this off of. And um, so it kind of turned into that because I'm lazy and I didn't want to have to invent all that myself. I didn't have the expertise. You study military history. Cool. I've had to, too, because I don't come from a military background. So I'm reading all kinds of books. I got a book on the history of all the Marines in the United States. Um, I read a lot about the Underground Railroad. Some of them are really cool. And I've, I take notes and I'm like, ooh, I'm basing a character off of this guy. He's cool. <laughs> um, so it's And it's an alternate history. So I said it way back. I rewrote the last 2,000 years. I made it so that Rome never converted to Catholicism. And so there's still Christianity around, but because Jesus never died on the cross, it never gained the same popularity. So I did that mainly because I, I didn't want one group moving into all these other areas, conquering them and saying, convert or die, which left, I think, in my mind, it left a lot of opportunity for a lot of those older cultures to have still survived. They're different now, mainly because I didn't want to argue with historians as to what a real Celt is like or what Druids were like. There's very little material. You could argue until you're blue in the face. I get to say, I'm writing an alternate history fantasy series, guys. And in this version of reality, this is how it is. <laughs> but I wanted to play with Vikings in the old Norse pantheon. I wanted to work with ancient Roman pantheon. I wanted to work with the Gaelic culture and all that pantheon. And I wanted it to still be around. I wanted Native American culture to still be very much around. And all of this in a big melting pot. Um mainly because I really love mythology and legend. I just love drawing from the original legends. And so Danny's World is where I get to play with those. It sounds amazing. And I love that that you drew upon all those different cultures. And, and I think that's the advantage. Uh, you're right. That's the advantage of being able to write your, your own worlds and, and pull all those things together. I would disagree with you on one thing. I don't think you're lazy. It sounds to me like you do a lot of homework to get to where you want to be. Um, so I, I, I know a lot of authors who would say that it's a lot lazier to make it up as you go than it is to do the research and make sure you're getting something authentic. So Yeah, but, you know, I have to say it's like if you, you know how I said, if you don't know horses and you write, I mean, that is something that even a lay person understands. So I've heard it said that fantasy, need, fiction needs to be more believable than reality. And there's all kinds of things that are going to be commonplace. You're going to draw on subconsciously. You're going to be using it without even thinking about it. 
And you're going to be doing it in such a way that means, yeah, you made it. And okay, you made up the magic system. Cool. You made up this whole other culture, the rise of this cult that took over the country and this whole society built. Okay, fine. That's all there too. But when you start drawing on elements that are in everyday life that abide by the laws of physics, people are going to expect that to be true to what they understand it to be. And I just find it a lot easier to just stick with, that although i did have to say i don't know if it's a true thing but i'm running with it anyway because it makes my life so much easier where it's like as long as every how did it go um if it's it explains why a society might not continue to evolve and and grow different than what it was um mainly if the people who don't like the way it is have the freedom to leave an area so space is no longer an issue if resources are not an issue your society kind of stays where it is because change is hard so it's this rule that a society will only change if there's forces at work that force it to change. Like your resources are scarce, so it causes war. War it creates all kind of innovation that then trickles out to the rest of your society. And I'm like, oh God, I don't I don't understand enough how society develops. I'm just gonna go with what I see. But you're right in the sense that <laughs> all the homework, I have never when I was in school, I hated history. I have never done more homework into history as I have when I decided to rewrite 2,000 years of it. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll keep you busy, I'm sure. That's for sure. Oh, um, pages and pages of notes on keeping it all straight, let me tell you. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what's, what's the plan for um, your series? Um, you know, what's the plan for Danny's story? Is it going to be um, five books, four books? Um, you've got... Looks like on your author page you have a book and a companion novel for the series. Um, what else are you planning? A lot. I am telling myself right now. It's like I, when I was younger, and you saw how diverse my background is, right? In my twenties, I look back. I'm nearing the end of my thirties, and I'm looking at my twenties, and I'm thinking, how the hell did I get all that done? Because at one point, I was working part time at the vet clinic. I intended to be a practicing vet tech while going to school at two different colleges to get my tech license. And I was going to school full-time there. And in the evenings, I would go to Taekwondo and get home, stay up till like 1 o'clock in the morning doing all my homework, and then get up obscenely early, drive all the way like an hour and 15 minutes to my college, and then go to work again. And then on the weekends, I would do Renaissance fairs. And I was also trying to write a novel. That was the companion novel. It was originally uh, going to be a part of another series, but that project got kaput. And so, but I loved the Kitsun so much. I loved the world I built and the characters that I came up with. And I found a way to fit them into Danny's, and they all actually became a critical part of the overarching series arc. So, to your question, Danny's story is going to be long. And I had to really decide to make time to write and try to write at least a book a year because. Uh, I modeled her series off of the Dresden Files because Jim Butcher is my idol. And if I could do what he's doing with Harry Dresden, I would die happy. And if I do it even half as well, I'll consider myself accomplished. But it's it's that kind of series. Um, I say I tell people who aren't familiar with Harry Dresden that it's like Harry Potter, but for adults. And where J.K. Rowling only had to do it for seven books, that intricate layering of clues and hints that she embeds in the first book, in the first part of the first chapter of the first book, she's already giving you clues to Sirius Black. 
And then you, you're wondering, why is it so important that Harry has his mother's eyes? And it's not until the end of the last book that you find out. And all the while, people are coming up with all these crazy theories that make you think, did you not read the books? Where are you getting this? It's crazy. But it's so much fun to fill the time between the books with all the theories based on the clues the author leaves. And that's the hope for Danny. It's one of those very involved series that's going to take a long time for me to write because, like Jim Butcher, it's not seven books. For him, it was originally going to be a 20-book series capped off with an epic trilogy. Well, he's now over budget by at least four or five books, so it's probably going to be more like 25 case books and then the trilogy. Um, I'm hoping, for me, 20 will be it, period. But... I, I write big fat books and <laughs> I might run into the same problem he did with Peace Socks and split it in two. Now you have Peace Socks and Battleground, um, <laughs> which is how he ends up with over budget. But yeah, I, I envision Danny as being fairly huge because her the whole story arc for her is is on a not just global scale, but multiple realities are involved. The related worlds as a, as a unit are all involved. And we're talking like war on like a serious epic scale. And that just doesn't get encapsulated in five or six books. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know, Tiffany, we could probably keep talking for a long time, but we're nearing the end of this episode at least. And maybe we'll have to have you back on as more episode, more books of your series come out. Um, but uh, where is a good place for folks to track you down um, online and find out more about what you're up to? Uh, my website is Tiffany, that's T-I-F-F-A-N-I dash Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S dot com. And that's my website. And that's, I mean, I love talking with people about books all day long. Doesn't have to be mine. It can be any books. Um, but, and this is where I'm quirky. I don't do social media because I have so many other things I'd rather be doing. <laughs> um, so I... I really don't have any social media for people to get a hold of me on, but if they go to my website, I do have a blog there. I ask me questions, drop me a line. Um, I definitely enjoy comments and back and forth comments. That just is always so much fun to read on other authors' websites and my own. And uh, that's primarily where I can be found is on my website. And then I'll have a newsletter for people who want to keep up on when the next book is coming out. Fantastic. And maybe they'll even run into you at a Renaissance Fair somewhere sometime. Yeah, come by the braiding booth. That's usually where I'm at. And I'm doing some elaborate 10-strand braid on some person's head. <laughs> awesome. Tiffany, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's great to have you join us. And uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been really fun talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I hope you'll catch up with us for a whole lot more from the fantasy and sci-fi focus community, both available for you as a group over on Facebook, as well as over at our website, fantasy-focus.com. Leave a comment on this episode and let me know what's on your mind. Also on the website, on each podcast episode post, you'll find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile app for iOS, Android, or even by email. Make sure you do that because you don't want to miss any of our upcoming episodes. We've got great authors coming up, a bunch of great people scheduled over the coming months. So make sure you're back for the next episode. 
That is it for this episode, though. As always, I'm your host, Jimmy Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on Facebook in my group, Jamie Davis's Fun Fantasy Readers, or at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com, where you can get a free book if you want. Look for the newsletter sign up on the right-hand side of the front page. Whatever you do, though, subscribe. Come back here for our next podcast. And in the meantime... I'll always remind you to keep your eyes open while you're out there, folks, because whether you know it or not, there's magic all around you.